0: you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today, we're talking with David Fletcher from an organization that many of you will understand and and recognize the connection. But I grew up I grew up listening to Chuck Swindoll, and Chuck Swindoll had a fantastic organization out of Fullerton, California, the First Evangelical Free Church of Fullerton, California. I think I have that right. And the ministry has grown and expanded. They've created this ministry called Ex Pastor, not former pastors little x pastor and it's all about the equipping of executive pastors within our church because we expect them to run our churches in a very fiduciarily responsible way we expect them to know everything there is about running a business and be a pastor discipler and teacher yet where do they get the tools and that's what we're going to talk about today david fletcher welcome to i work for him
1: Jim, it's good to be with you. You're using a big word when you use fiduciary. I just hope we don't have to spell it.
0: <laughs> I actually think I now can spell it. There were many years I could not, and I kept putting an F-E-D, but it's F-I-D, <laughs> fiduciary. But it's just that idea that, you know, we expect our pastors to do so many things, and yet— in seminary, until today, as I see the trend switching, where we're actually giving our pastors MBAs alongside of their doctoral, or their their biblical degrees, that we expect pastors to know how to hire, how to fire, how to manage an organization, how to make a budget, how to keep a budget, how to how to do all of these things, yet—and in small churches, they have to do all of those things under one title, now the bigger churches get to have an executive pastor, as we're going to talk about today— but you guys have really risen to the occasion to provide great resources for churches and pastors around the globe, and especially in our country. But before we get to that, David, I really want to hear, talk to me about how Jesus Christ is making a difference in your life today.
1: Well, you know, on Sunday, I had to talk to the congregation here in five of our services about the events that happened just uh, 50 miles away in San Bernardino. And uh, it was a somber moment because there was this huge amount of angst and unknowingness because many people had friends and relatives and neighbors in San Bernardino, new people there, some knew those who had been affected directly by the shootings there. And so we took a few minutes in our service, and we very seriously engaged the question and we said this is hard for us, and we feel small and hopeless. We feel like we can't do anything, and then we prayed for the victims, and we prayed for ourselves, and then we transitioned out of that talking about how we can share the love of Jesus at Christmas, which is just the right season because this is God's gift. And so to answer your question, you know, God showed up, gave me the ability to speak well it was hard it was emotionally moving for me to do that because i'm helping with the emotional weight of the con- of the whole congregation they they're feeling it they can't put it in words and here it is we're talking about it in the service praying about it so god was very gracious gracious gave me a lot of uh good words to say compassion and and helped me <laughs> just get through my own emotion of talking about it, which was hard.
0: I'm sure I'm sure it was extraordinarily difficult. It's been it's been a tough week as we really come to grips with what is the war on terror really all about and, and how is it now being brought to our land. We're talking today with David Fletcher. He's with an organization called xpastor.org. X, with not E-X, just the X, pastor.org. We're talking about equipping, coaching, and teaching our pastors and executive pastors in order to lead our churches into the mid-21st century. David, talk to me about what Xpastor is all about and how it got formed.
1: Well, I received an email last week, This, this will give it to you in a nutshell, from a church in Texas. And they said, hey, with the open carry laws for guns that's going to take place on January 1st, 2016, if we don't want people to carry guns openly visible into our church, we have to post a sign telling them that they can't. What do you think we should do? Should we post the sign or not? That, in a nutshell, shows how complex the modern church world is. And ex-pastor, we started this as a side thing that my wife and I do, along with just hundreds of great people who write for us, write articles, and do all sorts of things with us in classes. We did it to help others in similar roles lead and manage the church, and we started that in 2003.
0: Well, and when you—go uh, ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, you hesitated. Go ahead.
1: Well, it, it's to help people make great leadership decisions. Okay. Uh, through uh, articles, events, and classes, and the seminar that we put on each year.
0: Well, and what I see, the pastors, you bring up the, the carry, conceal and carry gun law within the churches, and, and I see pastors struggling with so many different things, and it's overwhelming when you need a legal opinion, and you know it's going to impact a lot of people, and honestly, I don't want to be in church if there's not people concealing and carry. I want to be surrounded by buddies that have got a gun in case somebody decides to disrupt the service with a, an automatic weapon. I'd like to have somebody there that can take somebody out like that, but But, it's, but to do that you want to think through very carefully
1: right? what, are the, what are the implications what's the liability have we trained those people are they official or are they unofficial what does all that mean and that's one of the aspects of being an executive pastor one of many the world is just so complicated insurance issues health issues labor law issues ministry issues planning issues funding issues financing issues the list goes
0: on. Well yeah, and we expect the average pastor to to really have an MBA and to understand how to be an, and an entrepreneurial stint, because we expect them, or, or uh, bent, we expect them to be business owners, run a business, be pastors, disciples, and teachers. We expect them to do all these things, and it's not a natural... What I have found is that pastors that are really good at teaching evangelism and discipleship are not usually very good with finances, management, organization, and administration.
1: And we don't want them to be, because just like you have a left hand and a right hand, and you're dominating one of those, you don't say to your left hand, well, I don't need you anymore because I'm not left-handed. No, you just want to be good enough with your left hand. And whereas, so with someone's really great in evangelism, man, we want to fan that flame, and then we want to have great systems and processes and channels in place so that he or she stays doing what he needs to be doing and doesn't get distracted by this other stuff.
0: You know, you, you were serving in your own local church, For a long time. Now, were you... Still am. And you still are. So are you at... Which church are you at right now? E.V. Free Fullerton. Okay, so you're still there. Where
1: was that you mentioned earlier.
0: Okay, well, and I grew up in the free church in Minneapolis, so I I always got... I I lived in a town that was mostly Catholic and Lutheran, so all my friends just thought we didn't have offering. (laughs) I don't know if you, if you, you... did Well, did you grow up in the free church as well or not?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't become a Christ follower until I was about 17 in college.
0: Yeah. so I yeah. So I, I grew up in the free church and that's all my friends thought the evangelical free church was I'm not really sure what it really meant does it mean the free of evangelism Be- well, we because...
1: struggle with that even now <laughs> nobody knows that it's compared to a state church yeah, in I, Europe that's what it means but nobody knows that
0: what I loved is when they changed their mission organization to Reach Global that made much much more sense to me because I've got all kinds of Reach Global missionaries that I support there you that go. makes much more sense evangelical free never really made sense because so, so
1: uh, we have been in the local church for 36 years, and I don't think we're going to move anytime too soon unless God has a big surprise from us. Uh, Everything that we do on ex-pastor, we do in our spare time. Part of my contention is all of us as Americans, almost all of us, have so much free time that we need to channel and use for great things for Christ, and this is one of the things that my wife and I love to do.
0: Well, if there's a the people out there listening in that have a lot of extra free time, I'd like you to email me at jim at com. We could use some help. So, No, uh, <laughs> we
1: all make our decisions to watch football and, te- and various television things. We, we have a lot of disposable time. It's a question of how we want to utilize that time.
0: Yeah, I don't have much of that right now. But in football, <laughs> I, I really don't have. A, I, I don't. I never. I haven't watched. I did watch one NASCAR race this year, but that was the only sports event I've watched the entire year. So, talk to me about the woes of being an executive pastor, because I as I, that's what inspired this ministry, expastor.org. This this huge. You have a huge bunch of resources out there on that website, but how did you end up in that role? Did you have a business background that moved into it, or did you go to seminary and think you were going to be the teaching pastor, you ended up being the executive pastor? How did it work?
1: I went to Dallas Seminary and got a master's degree and learned very little about running the church. Dallas is a great school for teaching the Bible, no complaints there. Got a wonderful education, got a—in the process of getting a Doctor of ministry degree— uh, my church was in transition, and I entered this role. Uh, had not had an MBA, but have done a lot of entrepreneurial things in business. Uh, you might call me a spiritual entrepreneur, but always active, doing a lot of different things. And then in doing my doctoral work at Dallas, again, in doctoral ministry degree, I focused on the role of the executive pastor and wrote the first dissertation on executive pastors There was no literature out there. I went to the library one day, and I thought I had lost my golden touch as being a researcher because I couldn't find anything in the library. So I went and talked to the head research librarian, you know, the uber librarian. And I said, Marvin, um, tell me about ex-pastor. And he said, well, you're one at this church, right? And I said, yeah, I am. And he, he said, what do you do? In other words, the head research librarian knew nothing about this emerging role in the church, it was that new. So I realized I need to put this stuff on a website. The site gets about a half a million visits a year, which is just amazing for this very micro-niche site. But our seminaries really are geared toward teaching people how to teach and preach and do ministry functions. But this whole other aspect of how to lead ministry and how to oversee the complex structures that we need in the contemporary church That's left to other people
0: well and I think that's one of my biggest frustrations being you know having I gave my life to Christ in, in a at a free church youth conference in 1979 in San Diego California uh, mm. a, a nationals conference and and so I grew up in the in the church from 13 on and saw the struggles because I had an entrepreneurial bent even as a teenager and I saw the struggles of the pastor they that, that most of them just wanted if I'm going to do my research I want to teach I want to disciple I want to evangelize but man I don't want to run the church can somebody else just do that for me because it is such a distraction because it's really like like you said it's like the left hand and the right hand and and it's a completely opposite direction how as you went through this dissertation process how hard was it for you to well because you knew you were going to go in front of a board of people that were going to evaluate you're going to present your dissertation but to a bunch of people that probably are thinking that you were speaking heresy about bringing well, business practices into church
1: we had some great examples that I did my case studies on. Stonebriar Church, where Chuck Swindoll was one; Irving Bible Church was another; Richmond Bible Church was another. There were many. By that time, there were many different executive pastors around the country doing that function, and many of the preaching pastors saw how complicated the church was becoming, and they just couldn't handle it. They, it was just getting too hard to try and do hiring and terminations well, or they, you know, they would read in the newspaper how a church was being sued because it had poorly terminated somebody, or how a church of church discipline, a case of church discipline, had gone sideways because they had publicized things that they shouldn't have, and they saw, whoa, we're trying to do this spiritual thing of correction, and we did it poorly, and now we're being sued by it. So how do we do do this? Mm. How do we set strategy for 50-, 100-, 200-person organization. That's not the church size. That's the size of the staff.
0: We're talking with David Fletcher. He is the executive pastor at First Free Fullerton, California, but he's also the organizer, the the spearheaded leader of ExPastor.org. David, as we go back get back into this conversation, I know that there are so many overwhelming things for leaders in today's world, whether it's businesses or churches. But in churches, they always seem to be understaffed, stretched budgets, way too thin. This resource that you guys have put together, how is it impacting churches out there? Well,
1: the first thing that I like to encourage people to do is to say, "Well, what." What is your, the core thing that you want to get done? Harvard Business School asked this question. Uh, what exactly are we trying to accomplish here? It's a great question because it, asks, it inserts that word exactly. And a lot of churches haven't answered the question. So what exactly are we trying to do here? Who are we trying to reach? Mm. When you answer that question, then you begin to look at your staff and say, have we aligned our staff to our mission? Or do we have some wonderful people who are doing some things that really aren't a part of the mission that God is calling us to do? We love the people, we love the things, but it's not what God is calling this church to do. Then you look at your budget. What are we funding? You know, you do that with your wife or your spouse all the time. Uh, You look and say, hey, what are we spending our money on? Do Do we really agree with this? We're going out to eat too much or not enough or, you know, we have money for a car, we don't have money for a car. So a budget will reflect our priorities quite well. So if you want to see what a church's vision really is, look at the vision statement, but then look at the budget and say, are they funding toward that vision statement or not? Those are some beginning ways that anyone can can begin to focus where their church is going.
0: Well, and what you just described there was a business plan, and, and, That's and right. most churches— That I've ever been involved in and that I hear about, and I've got a lot of connections to churches all across the country, and really across the globe, most churches never sit back and make a plan. Now, a lot of these new churches, a lot of the churches being run by millennials today, they got a business plan, they got it down, they got a marketing effort to go along with it, and Google AdWords, and they got SEO on their website, and and they've got it figured out. But it's the the churches that have been around for a while— they really get repulsed by the idea that they should incorporate business-like ideas into their church. How do you deal with that?
1: Well, first, it's a false difference between business and church. The Bible never said that business is wrong. You have good people in business, you have bad people in business. You have good business practices and bad business practices. What we want to do with ex-pastor and encouraging churches is take the good business practices, bring them in, make them solid in your church, make sure that they align with the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. Are we loving other people? Are we serving other people? Are we being true to how this triune God is calling us to do our work in our local community? And then are we, are we uh, so uh, for instance, is if we say that we're loving other people, why do we treat our employees badly? Why are we abusing labor laws? Why are we not paying overtime when we should be paying overtime? So why would we be acting illegally if we think that Jesus is calling us to live under the laws of the state?
0: Well, and that's often what you see is that churches, well, they they just—I think it's just a lack of advice, and that's really what you're doing on ExPastor.org is giving them that advice to know how to run a business in in God's name, and really— it's a spiritual business, Absolutely, we don't want to
1: confuse it. It's not a for-profit business, but the minute that you have employees, the minute that you have income, the minute that you have expenses, by any classification, that's the definition of a business. Fine, now that we've gotten over that, now what kind of enterprise are we going to be? Are we going to be a healthy social enterprise? Are we going to be an unhealthy social enterprise? And obviously I would advocate we want to be a healthy social gospel-centered social enterprise
0: well and you talk about it's no it's not a profit-centered organization but we're talking about the kind of profit that is i mean what can i well i mean we're, we're encouraged to sell everything we have to buy the pearl of great price we're, we're exposed i mean we are getting a relationship with our heavenly father the most valuable thing we can gain in this world it is really the only question that needs answered if is jesus who he said he is well if He is. Then, then my whole life is different. And so it is it is the most important investment we can ever make into people's lives. And that's why the dollars that we spend within a church are so critical. It, you know what I, what I struggle with though is a lot of churches will that they, they're struggling now with because the way they've done church in the past, isn't working anymore or it's starting to not work anymore there's been a real shift and i read a book over the weekend by a guy named todd bolzinger who was a former pastor and is now at fuller seminary called canoeing the mountains and it's and it's it's a great book on just helping pastors step back and say okay wait a minute what we used to do the river behind us is now the mountains in front of us we've got to change and how do you deal with that that need for churches to really seek change? Well, I think
1: it's happened a lot more than we think it has, more than I did, so more than I knew. So Church Finance Today, their December 2015 edition's just come out, senior editors, Richard Hammer, published by Christianity Today. And here's what they say on page two. About one-third of full-time executive or administrative pastors serve in churches with an income of less than $500,000 and with a weekly worship attendance of under 300 people. Hmm.
0: Wow, okay. When we come back, I want, I want to hit on that, because we're, we're coming on a break, so I want I want to just come out at a clean spot without getting you in the middle of a sentence again. I really want to dig into that, because you're saying that churches are now recognizing the fact that they need an executive within their church to help with the business side of the transaction, the business side of the organization. I want to talk about that. And I also want to hit on the, the difference between an executive pastor and an administrative pastor within a church, if there is a difference in your mind. We're talking today with David Fletcher. He is the executive pastor at at a church but he's brought together all of the information he's been compiling as an executive pastor and put it out there for executive pastors to share from all over the world. It's on a website called expastor.org, x not e x expastor.org. I I recommend that you make sure your pastors in your life know about this resource. It's a fantastic resource. David, you said that a lot of small churches with under 300 people and small budgets, half a million dollars or less, are starting to recognize, hey, we need an executive, and they have an executive pastor on their staff. When did that trend start?
1: You know, it it snuck
0: up on me. Chris Lutz from uh, Christian Today
1: called me, gave me that from their latest um, salary survey that they had just done. In the old days, it used to be that when a church was 800 people or so, maybe 1,000, that's when you needed an executive pastor. It just got too unwieldy for one guy to run. Well, now life is complex. Insurance issues, health issues, running a church, looking at the electric bill, helping manage staff, all of that is so complex that half, uh, one-third to, let's see, it says one-third of full-time XPs are in churches of less than 300 people.
0: That's fantastic.
1: And that one really just, it took me by surprise, but it's their numbers, so fine. I believe the numbers. Now I have to digest just how hard it is to be a pastor in the United States. We have so many laws and complications and labor issues and insurance things. And, I mean, look at the different kinds of insurance that a church needs. You need health insurance. You need liability insurance. You need building insurance. You need uh just general umbrella insurance. There's four kind of insurances I can list off in fifteen. Professional
0: seconds. liability insurance. You need you need uh, sexual uh, predator coverage yeah. just in case somebody. You know some. I uh, that's not what they call it. All of a sudden, I just drew a blank on it. But you need coverage in case somebody were to mishandle a child in nursery. I mean, there's. You're right. It's it's auto insurance, commercial auto in case you got a bus. I mean, there's all kinds of things. It's it's a that's it's right. a big job. So how do you make sure that expaster.org gets in front of those? new executive pastors? I mean, how are you going to make sure you're getting in front of them?
1: Well, we, we have a wall-to-wall, coast-to-coast coverage. Uh, very few folks are talking about these kinds of issues and giving it away. What we like to do is have articles written by peers. So of our over 600 free articles on the site, probably 550 or more are written by folks all around the country. Of the classes that we've done, we do these online classes. I have brought in 75 guest lecturers from around the world. Uh, For our seminar that we do every year in Dallas in February, we bring in people from around the country to tell what they are doing. So it's peer-to-peer knowledge is is really best. It's the very latest because it's, it's the cutting edge of the wave. It's not what happened 20 years ago. It's not what somebody's talking about when they used to be doing this. It's 2015 knowledge. And then we ask them to write. I'm an, I'm an inveterate asker of people to write articles. Hey, that's a great idea. Will you write on it? Tammy, my wife, who helps run the site, will you please you know, send them the article specs and get back to her? Man, you have a story that needs to be told. I love for people to tell their story. Yeah. Oh, by the way, can you hear that I'm passionate about I this? Can. And, and I can, <laughs> and I know
0: why, because you're living it every day. <laughs> so is, right. in your mind, is there a difference? Is it, it, I've got an answer in my head, what I think is the answer, but is there a difference between an executive pastor and an administrative pastor?
1: Yes, there is. An administrative pastor, in general, handles just the administration of the church, business, ops, things like that. The executive pastor, by and large, or others of a similar title, have an umbrella function with the senior pastor that covers every aspect of the entire church. By and large, executive pastors sit with the board of elders, trustees, whatever the board structure is, or are a member of that board. Administrative pastors generally don't. Administrative pastors generally don't have seminary training, and about half the time of executive pastors, they do. So there are some some differences
0: for you. So talk. I mean, because I know that this is a trend because I'm reading more and more books of people are recognizing the fact that wow, the route that well, we don't we no longer live in the United States where Christendom is uh, is the theme. I mean, we're in a post-Christian culture, and so yes. churches are having to shift and and recognize the fact that the way they did church the last fifty, a hundred years no longer works. We don't attract people, and so. Churches are really having a, they, they, but churches struggle with shift. Actually, any organization really struggles with change. I mean, they just do it by and large. I think that's just the definition of an, of an organization. But how, how has your church struggled with the change that's going on? Because it's really, I mean, it probably started in California. You guys probably started it. It's California and New York probably started it. But where, I mean, how are you guys dealing with this shift where church, the way it's been done, can't be done that way anymore? Change
1: management is very hard. You know, that's why Carter wrote a pivotal book out of the Harvard Business School Press and lists out some great styles of change management. And part of it is you have to let people see the new reality that's around them. And even if you're a, a uber cutting-edge church, what happens is you're cutting edge, and then you freeze in that cutting-edgeness. You don't stay fresh, and in five or ten years, you're no longer cutting edge. As a matter of fact, you're on the on the far side of the wave. I think part of it is being very sensitive to how is God leading us? What exactly do we want to do here? Just because something works in San Francisco doesn't mean it's gonna work in Fullerton. Just because something works, you know, a few miles away in Los Angeles doesn't mean it's gonna work in Fullerton. So very much a situational awareness, but then you, you add into that, this unchanging biblical value. So the river may be moving, but that doesn't mean that we have to go with it. We want to take the values of the Bible and we want to say, hey, what, how are those going to help us shape this cultural river right here? And that we, we're not going to be swallowed, to use that water metaphor again. We're not going to be swallowed by this thing. We're not going to drown in it, but we're going to actually triumph over it. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of help of people to see that what you did in the past was great, but maybe we can't send out missionaries that way anymore, or maybe we can't do ministry like that anymore. It's not a condemnation or a judgment of the past, but it is a statement that if we stay right here, we will sink.
0: Well, we'll just become irrelevant. I mean, the Church is in danger, becoming irrelevant. And when you tell pastors that, they get ticked off when you say I mean, (laughs) they do. I mean, I've been... (laughs) I've ticked off enough pastors to go, listen, you've, you've got to start. Things are changing. They are not, this is not Mayberry anymore. Well, you know, the business cycle used to be three to
1: seven years in the 1990s. And you think, wow, I'm really progressive. I'm changing my business plan and, my, and, and, and getting in touch with things every three to seven years. And when I started off ex-pastor in '03, we laid out a, a website and didn't have to change it for about three or four years. And then we began to notice this that the website itself, just the website to stay current, had to be refreshed, completely redesigned, overhauled about every 12 to 24 months. So just in in 10 or 20 years, the the timing shift of how to stay current has been cut in at least by half.
0: And that's that's a staggering thing for churches to, to recognize that. Because That's it right. costs money to do websites. And, you know, Bob, yeah. the guy that was on the trustee board before who did the last website, he's no longer on there anymore. Now they got to pay somebody to do it. You know what? I'm, I'm amazed by the amount of information that you've got out there. I mean, you've got articles on communication, buildings, uh, comparing church and business, church organization, church uniqueness, and then on finance. This is what
1: we deal with every day. Yeah. All the, all the XPs around the country and around the world are dealing with these kind of things all the time. So we've just said, "Hey, we would please write on that. This is a great topic."
0: And, and I love that you got all tons of stuff on finance, broken out into audits, budgeting, banking. Great one. Cutting budgets, finance policy, generosity. I love that churches need to be more generous. Uh, housing allowance, legal than housing allowance. There, there you go. There's another one. Staffing and HR. Boy, every business I ever deal with struggles in staffing and HR because that's just beyond most people. And then I love the fact that you've got coursework for people to take. You've got oper- right. you've got operations one hundred one one hundred two one hundred three one hundred four one hundred five. I love that. There's coursework they can take, but you. Well, as we an- did that
1: because no one else was teaching it yet, and no one was giving master's credit. So Crown College came along and they said to us, "Hey, would you like to be affiliated through us? People can either do it unaccredited. I mean, uh, not for 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 you know credit toward the master's degree, or they can actually apply it toward a master's degree." And we've been doing it for a number of years, and they said, "Hey, let's see what we can do because not many folks are doing this master's degree thing yet, no, and, and no one's teaching it."
0: And, and so, and I and I love Crown College. I've actually spent a lot of time on their campus. Actually, my sister is the CFO at Crown College, and and i they actually have sponsored the show. We've had a lot of shows about them because they've got great online curriculum that you right. can get biblical worldview perspective in any of their degrees that really are pretty advanced. Love their MBA for for nonprofits. Think that's just fantastic. Talk to me about you, your struggles as an executive pastor. We're talking with David Fletcher about the website xpastor.org. Not former pastors, but executive pastors, X, just the letter X, xpastor.org, about this resource that's out there on the web for all of our executive pastor friends who, Or our pastors who are pastors of really small churches who need help with executive pastor kind of stuff, send them out to this website. It's all free. David, as an executive pastor, what is your biggest struggle on a day-to-day basis?
1: Jim, I don't think there would be just one. But if I had to to synthesize it down, boil it all down, I would say the brokenness of men and women. Some people are going to lie. Some people are going to want to cheat, so we want to look uh, against fraud. Some people won't treat their co well. Some folks are complainers. I mean, this is all language right out of the New Testament, isn't it? Nothing puts me quicker back in touch with the New Testament. And looking at James, be careful with your tongue. I just wrote to an elder this morning encouraging him from Ephesians 4, whatsoever is good, think on these things because he got some critiques from some folks over the weekend. And it, it really is getting in touch just with the core of the New Testament that, as Paul would say in Galatians, for freedom you have been set free. So why are you living this, you know, crazy old lifestyle, live like a new person. But yet that's so hard for us. We're just broken, shattered people trying to live with the grace of God, we don't release all of this baggage from our life. We come to church, and then we dump this baggage on other people, and that just takes us right back to the New Testament, doesn't it? We can complain against, you know, we don't have perfect churches. That's because we're not perfect people, and God is in this process of having us on the road of following Christ and of enjoying His presence, and that's the, 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 the aliveness of the New Testament.
0: Well, and that's what I love because you're you're really just talking about everything you just mentioned is something that every business struggles with every day. And, And it's really, and we're not talking about making churches, you know, really we are talking about making churches just better organized because organization is the glory of God. I mean, God, have you ever, anybody seen the or, the universe pretty well organized and to be able to have mission, vision, and values and live those out in your community and, and not try to do everything just because that's what churches used to do. Let's just try to focus on what we're doing. We're talking with David Fletcher about this website, ExPastor.org for the executive pastor in your life. Make sure they know about this resource because it can change their lives and make it so much easier each and every day in their jobs. David, as you look at what when God first laid this on your heart, as an executive pastor realizing, wow, there's a lot of stuff I'm expected to know and there's no resources out there. And now you've got, how many, you said a half a million people a year are utilizing your website? That's right. What what are the feedback? What's the feedback that you're hearing from executive pastors in the struggles that they're facing today out there in the real world?
1: Um, It is very much everyday issues of how to work on operations and finance and staffing and strategy, or, hey, I'm new, and what do I do? Or like the the Texas uh, open carry bill. Hey, there's this new bill that may change our landscape at our church. Do we really want to post a sign at the front door of our church that says you can't carry a gun in here? What are we going to do when the cowboy comes in with a gun? How are we going to ask him to not show his gun in public at church because we don't think that's fitting to show it in a worship service? Why do we, or do we, you know, how do we put all this together? So society is moving. How are we keeping up with it? That's a huge challenge.
0: David, we've come to the end of another I Work For Him show. Thank you so much. We're going to have to talk about this again because I know that there's there's so much more business stuff that pastors are struggling with and you have a great handle on it. So I want to stay in touch because I really think that there's a lot of things here that our audience, most of them aren't pastors, they're going to church and they know that their pastors need good resources and expastor.org is one of those resources. Thanks for being on the show today
1: pleasure to be with you and be with, uh, with for, i work for him.
0: All right, thank you, sir. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks to Jose Cruz, did a great job today. He's always so fantastic producing the show. Love him so much. Hey, thanks for our show sponsors. Go on to our website iworkforhim.com and uh just Check them out and, and really do business with those people that support our show, Most Insurance, Red Rock Leadership, Bel Air Wealth Management, and Services by Trust. These are people that really love the Lord and want to serve you. Hey, we try to give away a couple of books today, a couple on leadership, 877 What did you learn today about how we're going to take the city for Christ? today that our pastors, they struggle. And we've talked about this before. It's another job I work for him. It's about everybody in every career but pastors, they have incredible burdens laid on them. We talked last week with one pastor who's like, yeah, I can't share my personal struggles with people in the church because they don't think I sin. Well, here's executive pastors who not only are pastors within a church, and I'm sure they're expected to do all kinds of incredible things in the church, but they're also expected to run the church. They're supposed to understand IT and insurance and HR, and they're supposed to understand safety and operations and all these things. And where do they get the resources and put it through the paradigm of church operations? Well, that's That's what this website does, xpastor.org. I wanted them to come on because every business leader, every church leader needs to have a resource to go to, and this is one for your pastor because if our churches are run in an organized fashion, we give glory to the Lord and we attract people. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.